Bible, the early chapters of Genesis, we can't help but be impressed by this flood story. Um, it's clearly uh, a central narrative to these early chapters of Genesis. And our own inclination is to try to think about the event. And we try to reconstruct the event, especially in our modern scientific ways of thinking, of reconstructing the hydrology and the geology and asking all the logistics questions about the species of animals and the seaworthiness of the boat. And we, we tend to think about things that way in our world. But we have to remember that, that the ancient world is not our world. And they wouldn't think in those terms. If we're trying to read the Bible as an ancient document, as something that was written for us but not to us, we have to try to read that text as an ancient text. Now, sometimes uh, we try to reconstruct the science around it, but other times, of course, it's a popular thing to uh, tell the story again. Movie makers uh, who tell the story of the flood. And they're not trying to reconstruct a scientific view of the event, but they're reconstructing something about the power of the event. And so movies take that shape. Uh, one movie version, a uh, contemporary one, uh, has the one character uh, see what's going on and observes, is this the end then? And the response is, no, this is just the beginning. Now that's a story element. And it's one that actually does capture what's going on in the biblical narrative. Because in the biblical narrative, what has happened is, the disorder has entered the world. We call it the fall. And that disorder multiplies and multiplies and multiplies till there's just violence everywhere, as the biblical text identifies for us in Genesis chapter 6. And God's response to that disorder is that he's going to eliminate that disorder by bringing non-order. Non-order would refer to that initial state back in Genesis 1-2 when the water covered everything, the deep was all that there was. And in that world of non-order, into that world, God brought order. And what we have in the flood narrative in Genesis is that God responds to disorder by bringing back non-order, and then he reorders the world in his recreation. And you can see it in the language as the waters subside, even a, a wind blowing. Remember, the Spirit of God was moving, and that's also the word for wind. And a wind was blowing and separating the waters, and the dry land emerged, and the people were brought forth, and the animals were brought forth. And all of this was a way of expressing the return to order. Remember also that God repeats the blessing in Genesis chapter 9. The blessing very much the same as the one we had in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, Noah's very name in the text, uh, his father names him Noah, which means rest, that this one perhaps will bring, bring rest. In the biblical world, rest is not relaxation. Rest pre pertains to order being established. God rested, and he rests in his temple, and he brings rest to his people. And even Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's not relaxation. That's rather the idea of order and stability. And so Noah was named with the idea that he would bring order and stability, not himself, but God brought it through him as the world was recreated 
as order was established after the flood. In that sense, when we're reading the text theologically and literarily, uh, we are not constrained to try to understand it scientifically. We don't have to do a reconstruction of the hydrological, geological event. We don't have to argue about the extent of the flood. We can understand very well what kind of event it was by the way that the text presents it. And that's how the flood story can be meaningful to us as we understand what God, through the human author of Genesis, was doing with that flood story and how that's part of the picture of order and non-order and disorder that pervades the early chapters of Genesis. Uh, order was set up in Genesis 1, disorder entered in Genesis 3. We have some order-bringing activities uh, in the genealogies, in the arts of civilization, but then we also have disorder as we see the sinfulness, whether it's Cain and Abel, sons of God, daughters of men, we see disorder. Uh, continuing and growing. And then, of course, we get to the Tower of Babel where we have the establishment or the attempted establishment of sacred space. And God disperses the people as he seeks to bring order through his presence in the covenant. And the covenant becomes the basis for God establishing order as he reveals himself to his people, himself the center of order, the source of order, the creator of order. He reveals himself through the covenant and then moves toward inhabiting a place in the midst of his people. The flood story fits into all of that admirably without ever having to be interpreted in terms of its scope and its violence in those kinds of situations. When we read the Bible, we have to realize that we need to understand the text literarily before we can understand it theologically. And we need to understand it theologically before we can start reconstructing things like history or science events. Uh, we need to read it for what it is, and that means that we have to understand it as an ancient document, because that is what it is. God did not communicate into our uh, modern world. He communicated into an ancient world, and we have to start there and understand what the author is doing and get to the message God has through that author who he ordained in order to convey this message to everyone. Mm -hmm.